leads to hell. Billy Graham says Jesus talked about this. He said there are two roads, the narrow road, the broad road. You have to make a choice. It's up to you. The narrow road is the one that leads to heaven. Make that choice. Repent of your sins. Surrender totally to Christ. Your heart, your mind, your body, your life, so that Christ is first in your life. Explore more about the road that leads to heaven at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. And it's from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. WTRJ, Orange Park, Jacksonville. WAYL, St. Augustine. WATY, Folkestone, Georgia. Online at ilovethetruth.com. I'm Liz Kramer with Mission Network News. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken meets with his counterparts in the Middle East, trying desperately to de-escalate and contain the Gaza war. Lebanon's Hezbollah threatens to tip the scales after bombing northern Israel. Four Hezbollah members were killed in southern Lebanon this week, but Israel didn't take credit for the strikes. In the full story at our website, Uncharted Ministries' Tom Doyle describes how believers fare on both sides of the war. In other news, studying scripture is typically much easier when you can read the Bible in your own language. Wycliffe Associates has print-on-demand units that allow locals to print scripture without expending too many resources. The goal is to provide simple-to-use tools that will make translated scripture as accessible as possible. Pray that God will continue to bring His Word to hungry hearts. Find your place in this story at missionnews.org. Thanks for listening to Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. Hey, welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries on Thursday, January 1-1, January 11th. 2024. Hard to believe we're in 2024, but we are here. It is Guest Thursday, our first Guest Thursday of the year, and I am excited to have Alan Cagle, the lead pastor out at uh, Sunrise Community Church. And uh, Alan has been out at Sunrise, what, about 11 years? 10, 11 yeah, years? Yeah, yeah, this January marks 11 years. 11 years. Yep. He's been there for a while. And uh, I was just enjoying a little bit of a um, conversation with him before we started. But uh, you were, were you in California first, or did you go via Alabama to get to Florida? Actually, both. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I'm from Alabama. Where? Uh, uh, Mobile. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 I'm from Meridian, right. Mississippi. Oh, is that right? Did you yeah. know that? I well, I knew you had Mississippi roots. I didn't know where yeah. it was. Yeah. So I had family in Demopolis, Alabama. Okay, which isn't far. right there on the right the, there on the border. The, yeah, 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 that way. So I lived a couple of places actually in in Alabama, um, and then graduated high school in in Mobile. Went to college uh, in Mobile. Did you go? Then, did you go to South Alabama? No, went to UM University of Mobile. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, because I was recruited by South Alabama to play baseball. Oh, is that down right? At, down in Mobile. Yeah. Wow. All yeah. right. So yeah. I almost went there, but I didn't. Yeah. So, uh, but we drive through Mobile every time we go home to Meridian. I mean, That's you right. You got to go right through it. I ten. And now they got a Canes there. 
I don't know. You know, if you ever go back, they got raisin canes, which is a oh, chicken yeah, place. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, important. Yeah, well, it is for my wife anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you were in Alabama. You grew up there. Went to high school, college there, and then yeah, then went out to California. So mm-hmm. I was at Master Seminary, uh, just north of Los Angeles area, from 2001, uh, and then I was at the seminary from 2001 to 2005. Uh, stayed on an additional two years. I worked at the church, Grace Community Church, from 2003 till 2007. I was one of the pastors doing youth ministry. I bet you knew one of my friends from the Marine Corps. I had a guy that worked for me named Kirk Lenahan, who was an oh, yeah, elder yeah, yeah, yeah. out at Grace during that time. I do. I remember the name. Yeah, yeah. Kirk Lenahan. Isn't wow. that wild? Isn't it a small world? It very. Yeah. Very, yeah. So, so you were out there till about 2007? 2007, and then I moved back to Mobile um, in 2007 and went to work at a church, uh, Christ Fellowship Church, Okay, which was in Mobile, and I was a family ministries pastor there, and then ended up going from there uh, to here uh, to Sunrise in January of 13. Now, when you came in 13, was that when Hall, Jim Halstead left, or had he left prior to that? He left prior to that. Okay. Um, so Halstead had left. I've I've since met Jim, and okay. we have a great uh, relationship. Um, Andrew Rogers came. Okay. Um, and then and uh, then and then you came. I, after I followed. Him. Okay. I followed Andrew. All right. Yeah. I was just trying to get a, a little bit of the timeline. So uh, and married. Yes, married. Children. Yep, we have three. Three ages. Uh, Oh gosh, they're changing right now. <laughs> so we're we're eighteen, uh, just turned eighteen. Oh boy! Uh, and then one just turned sixteen and sixteen. So our youngest three teenagers, three teenagers, and they're pretty close together. Our youngest uh, we adopted uh, when she was two and a half, and so they're about three months apart. Uh, okay. My my youngest two. Okay, adopted here uh, domestically. Uh, China. China. Yep. Well, yep. you know, I forgot that. You knew we have five adopted daughters. I do, yeah. yeah so, yeah. wow. So, we have that in common, man. That's right. How about that? What part of China? Do you remember? Uh, Guiyang. Guiyang. It's kind of center of China, middle part. Did you go of the get country. her? I did, yeah. We were there 17 days. Wow. I guess it was about, yeah. Yeah, it's about two weeks, man. It's and like... I think everything goes through <laughs> Guangzhou. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you've so probably the, been there a few yeah, times. Yeah, what was the White Swan? Did White it, Swan. Yeah, stayed White at the Swan White Motel. Swan. Do the red couch photos. That's right. That's right. I remember it. <laughs> well, that's good, man. Alan, I, I had forgotten that, uh, that you did that, man. That's wild. And so... Um, so you so you started in Alabama. Did you grow up in a Christian family? I did. Uh grew up in a Christian family. In fact, my dad was a Southern Baptist pastor uh pretty much my whole life. Um so yeah, grew up in a Christian home. And I would I was always the moral kid. You know, I was a I was a pretty good kid. I I kind of learned pretty early on that in and just watching my friends that the easiest way to maintain freedom was to sort of keep yourself out of trouble. <laughs> so I was a pretty good kid, but I wouldn't say it was, you know, born out of a heart that loves the Lord and wanted to honor Christ with my life. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was much more utilitarian, uh, practical for me. So I kind of lived my high school days like that. And I would say it was, it was really my second year of college that the Lord really got a hold of me. Uh, just under the preaching of the word, I was actually, I had, at that point, I'd sort of started thinking maybe uh, ministry is something that I could do. It's something I'd seen modeled for me. My dad was a pastor. Um, was it the, tough growing up a PK? 
in some ways, I mean, I, I didn't have anything to compare it to. So, I, I mean, I think I had a great childhood. Do you have um, siblings? I did. There's five of us total. Okay. So we had a big, big group. Um, I mean, but did you, was, was it hard feeling like you were always being looked at as the pastor's kid? Everybody, I mean, did you feel that pressure sometimes? A little bit. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I don't think it was something I thought about a lot then. Mm-hmm. I think thinking back on it now, I mean, I do realize that and, you know, my dad would be preaching, give an illustration, and everybody looks at you. And <laughs> you get the comments every now and then. It's like, well, you're a pastor's kid. You shouldn't be doing this or that. And uh, so, I, I mean, I guess there was some of that, but I don't, I don't know that I felt like a real inordinate sense of pressure uh, necessarily from that. What kind of things were you involved with in high school and college during that time of your life? Uh, I mean, like, like, what were there any extracurricular things you did? You said hunting. We were talking before the program. But. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was my life was pretty simple. I loved I love hunting and fishing. Um, I loved jeeps and sports. Really? I was, were you a sports guy? I was did, a sports guy. Did you play? Yeah. So I played football. That was my main thing. I um, played a lot of basketball. I didn't really play like high school ball after like eighth ninth grade. I think was my last year. Um, but and actually you'll find this funny i i really didn't i didn't play basketball on the team because it was middle of deer season in <laughs> alabama and that was that was just very important that was an important time of year for you right? yeah it's like i can't i can't eat up my weekends so you're like me you like to eat deer meat i do yeah i do you have to know how to cook it over right? that's right that's right you yeah. gotta age it and yeah, cook it right but. age it soak it in buttermilk and yep, get that yep, wild get the out. taste yeah, out yep. right it's, it's good stuff oh i love deer meat well um so growing up then you go to college at mobile yep. right uh when did faith really become yours i mean the yeah. faith you grew up in when did you when did you sense god really starting to start to lead you so to speak yeah it started out i think it was you know i as i said i grew up in a pastor's home and i i knew the basics of the gospel my my dad was a faithful you know preacher teacher of the bible so i knew the basics i think it was in college i got around some people that that believed a little bit differently than i believed you know about some some doctrinal uh, things that I'd just never really been introduced to. And it, it made me start to really consider uh, what's actually in my Bible, um, just getting challenged a little bit on, on my faith, what I believed. Uh, things like, you know, the sovereignty of God and um, the bigness of God, transcendence, some, some of those kind of concepts that started to started to really make me, make me take a second look mm-hmm. um, at what was there. And so it was through that, and then I, I was actually – at the time, I was helping with a little youth ministry at a at a small town up just north of Mobile, and I was working with some students through the gospel uh, through the book of First John, which is all about. I've written these things that you may know that you've you've come to have eternal life, and and so as I started working through this, I, I really it really turned into a mirror for my own soul, and I had to ask the question like, has this actually happened to me? Mm. Um, am I externally morally just a just a good kid, a good guy, uh, just because that's kind of what offers the path of least resistance mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. Um, or is this something that I truly, uh, from the heart, want to honor, want to honor the Lord? And and so I, it it was a little bit of a crisis moment, you know, for me. Where and I and I do believe that's when the Lord really saved me uh, mm-hmm. was was through that process in college. I I grew up in a small Baptist church 
in a small town, a fairly small town. I mean, by the way, just so you know, we are broadcasting in Mississippi. We're on two stations there. All right. So, so uh, don't hold his Alabama roots against him. He's, he's just an <laughs> Alabama boy. Um, but uh, anyway. So uh, no Mississippi jokes. <laughs> no, no Mississippi jokes. Got it. Uh, but, um, you know, I was talking to my wife the other day. Is we we've been going through my my parents' house stuff and cleaning up some, um, I was reminded I I used to sit on my bed, even as a teenager, like in high school and early college, and read the Old Testament. I wasn't I I loved that. To me, I, I you know I was a football player and baseball player, a competitor. I loved reading God's plan as he interacted in people's lives there. Was that something that you were, were you reading the word at all during that time of your life? Or, I mean, as you remember back, do you think about it? I wasn't reading much of anything really, except for sports stats, <laughs> sports, <laughs> so, sports and deer stands. And That's deer, where you were. I, yeah. I would get the Bassin magazine <laughs> Bassin. and uh, the Alabama game. And Cause fish. you're a big fisherman, right? Yeah. You love to yeah. Fish. And I, I, I actually do that more now than I do. Uh, H- honey. Than I do hunt, yeah. I but. see a lot of pictures on Facebook. Sometimes of you would fish. <laughs> right. So you like, right. it's funny. I never fished that much. I hunted, but I didn't, I, I fished a little bit, but so, so when, you know, you said he was starting to get your attention, was it when you went to seminary that he really grabbed you, or was it prior to that? No, year? I think it was in college, uh, my second year of college. Um, I was a sophomore, and it was really the summer of my sophomore year that I I believe that's when you know the Lord saved me. Um, at that point, um, externally, you know, maybe not a lot changed you yeah. know, from somebody else's view of just who I was, um, but internally there was a massive shift mm. uh, as far as just what was going on in my own heart. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, yeah. And so what were you studying at the time? What were you thinking before that happened? What were you thinking as far as like, um, like career? Like, did you have oh, any yeah. thoughts? Yeah. So I went in, I was going to do uh, sports medicine initially. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. And I kind of bounced back and forth between a few majors. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I just wanted to do sports medicine because it kept me around sports. <laughs> I enjoyed that. So uh, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was, I was kind of looking for just a general business, communications, mm-hmm. something in that kind of vein. Um, but I, I didn't really know at, at that point what I wanted to do. And I really, I didn't intend initially at least, to, and this has been kind of characteristic, I think, of quite a few things in my life. I, I just slowly started gaining interest in the Bible. And I said, I'm just going to take a Bible class. It was a Southern Baptist school I was at. Uh, University oh, of Mobile. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Baptist school. So there was a lot of religion classes, the religion department, Bible department. Did you have to do chapel? We had to do chapel. <laughs> yep. Yep. We did chapel and you had two classes that were required. Um, and I said, you know, I'm just really interested in this. I'm just going to start taking a class every semester on the Bible. And and so I did that. And then I started taking a couple every semester. And then, you know, before you know it, I'm I'm kind of there and I've got, you know, pretty much got the uh, religion, theology, biblical studies, uh, kind of degree. So that, that's what I ended up doing. Okay. So how did you get the bug to go to the masters like out in California? Cause that's a pretty far jump from Alabama. It is a far jump. Um, so I actually had a few connection points, um, out there. 
Uh, so one of the guys, so my dad was my pastor most of my life until we moved to Mobile, uh, which was my senior year of high school. And he actually went to work at the University of Mobile, uh, the college that I ended okay. up at. Um, and then, so I ended up uh, under the ministry of um, another guy, Dan Dumas, um, which you, you may or I've may heard, not. I've heard, I've heard of Dan. Okay. Uh, so Dan was there in Mobile um, for a short time, and then Dan ended up going out to Master Seminary. Yeah. So he had an influence on me. And then a couple other guys that were in Mobile that ended up, um, yeah, out, at ended up out, out at Master's. And so I knew once I got around that type of ministry, and I knew that I really wanted to be more equipped, and I knew I wanted to go to seminary, and that was in the cards. At some point, I I started looking around at a few different places, and I checked out. I checked out a number, and I, you know, I, I told I told my wife, new wife at this point, we'd only been married, you know, not long um, at all, because we got married right after we graduated. Uh, Was um, she from Mobile too, as well? No, she's from Baton Rouge. Um, a Cajun? Cajun. Oh That's my right. gosh! <laughs> That's right. Uh, so she's from Baton Rouge. Uh, we got married, and so we so we started kind of looking around. Our plan was to stay in Mobile for a little while and just work and kind of get our feet under us. And we did, uh, we did that and started looking around at seminaries. And I said, you know, I just, I just really need to go out to California and I need to just check this off the list. I need to just kind of clear this one so, so that I can sort of clear my mind of this. Cause I just didn't think it was realistic, uh, at all for me to end up going out there. And so we did, and it just became apparent that this was a good place, good fit, um, good situation for us. We had a number of connections and, you know, the rest, uh, we, we ended up kind of moving up our timeline and and we just went for it uh so that was in 2001 best uh, training in the world right there for a pastor i think man that's like if i could have gone to any place that's where i would have gone you know uh it's funny uh i don't know if i shared this with you um i a lot of my training has been from mentors guys who taught seminary guys who taught at dallas and uh dts and and so i didn't ever have the benefit of sitting in a, a, a seminary interacting with other guys going through that uh god really cut my teeth going to russia doing ministry with guys who were dts grads teaching these foreign pastors things and so you, you it's it's i call it the old apprentice model kind of of training but um but the masters accepted me out of the marine corps i, I had put in to go out there my wife goes you're not a preacher and I go, okay, I guess I need to do something else. She said, what else you want to do? I said, I want to be an FBI agent. So I ended up being an FBI agent. But you <laughs> That know, one wasn't on my list. But. <laughs> but you know what's funny, oh, is God used the FBI to train me to learn how to observe, to learn how to interpret, and to learn how to apply. Yeah. and Because you have to do those things, right? So, um, so, but I'm thankful for the masters. I'm glad you went there. I'm glad. There's three or four masters grads in jacksonville right you're one of them and uh, i'm very thankful that you have sunrise uh, as, as your god's using you to be his under shepherd there and um and so how did um you know once you graduated i guess you went back to alabama to work on staff there yeah yeah so i graduated uh so i started working at the church in california uh, my second year, I was an intern, um, and I did a couple of different roles there in the pastoral ministries and then uh, helped with the Shepherds Conference, which we were talking about just yeah. for a minute. Uh, before, Coming up in March, yeah. Before we started. 
Uh, so I, I worked for the Shepherds Conference for a little while, and then I ended up going on staff as the junior high pastor. So I was the pastor to the junior high students. Oh, okay. There, and there was another another guy, a uh, good friend that was uh, the high school pastor, and then got a college pastor as well. So I was I was one of those guys and served in that role for about four years. And then uh, my back in Mobile, uh, that's when I ended up going back in 2007 uh, to Christ Fellowship, which uh, to be family ministries pastor. So that was, you know, family ministries, which was like younger adults, youth, children's, um, all of that. Um, so how did you get to Florida? So that was a funny story. Um, I wasn't really looking for anything. And that was, uh, it was, it was kind of uh, maybe not the best way to get a job. Um, so I don't, I don't know that I would try this. <laughs> you don't know that you would recommend this method, I, right? I, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I definitely wouldn't recommend it. So I get an email from a guy, uh, one of the elders uh, here at Sunrise, and I didn't know anything about Sunrise. I didn't know anything about Atlantic Beach, Jacksonville. I knew where it was roughly, uh, but never been here. You knew um, it was east. <laughs> I knew it was east, and I'd heard it was a big city, uh, big geographically. Uh, so, But I didn't know anything. Um, I knew the Jags were terrible, and that, that was about as far as... Uh, <laughs> At the time, <laughs> they've improved. So uh, that's that's about all I knew. Uh, so I got this I got this uh, email, and I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. Um, a little while later, maybe a week or so, I'm cleaning out some emails, just going through my inbox, and I see this, and I I open an attachment, a PDF that had been sent, and I read through it, and it was basically a little bit of a history of the church, mm -hmm. um, a, a list of qualifications. This is what we're looking for, kind of the profile, uh, the type of guy we're looking for to be a pastor here. And I started reading that and reading the types of questions they were asking in the in the candidating process. And I thought, you know, this this place actually looks they look like they're serious about the Lord. I, I like the way that this is framed up. And and so I responded to the email and I said, hey, I'm not really looking for anything right now. Uh, I'm an associate pastor. I'm in a I'm in a role that I'm fine. Um, I'll keep my eyes open, uh, you know, if, if anything ever, you know, if I, if I ever come across anybody that's, you know, in, that's looking and so they respond and said, well, why don't you just turn in a resume? And I, I literally responded and I said, I don't have a resume. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't have one put together uh, because I, I just kind of moved to the next thing in a very relational way. And I, I never really put together like a CV resume. I didn't even know how those things are supposed to work. Um, so I, I did. Uh, I put together just a little bio sketch, uh, turned it into them. And then we started communicating a little bit, going back and forth and, you know, Long story short, I, I I think the process was actually very good in the Lord's providence, just the way it all worked out, because I I felt initially I didn't necessarily feel like this has got to work out for me and my family. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of a, well, this is kind of interesting uh, type of thing, and it allowed me to be very honest. You know, you about, didn't put all your apples in that basket. They, they weren't. They mm -hmm. weren't. And in fact, in fact, you didn't even know if you were going to put one apple. I, in did, I didn't. I didn't. And at one point, my my wife is looking at me, going, "What are you doing?" Like I said, I don't know. This is interesting. You know, let's see what the Lord does with it. And and so it it quickly moved to something much more serious. And I realized that this is a place that I think could be a good fit for us. And as I got to know, you know, the leadership team there, the calling committee. Um, we, we realized that this, this could be a really good fit and, you know, praise the Lord. It has been, uh, we're, we're very grateful. Well, it, it's been fun to watch you grow there because, uh, I've, I, I've had a relationship with that church prior to you coming 
So I, I'm familiar with some of the people there and have seen you grow in the process as far as the, the church itself. And not necessarily, you know, I, I've never been one because I've been so influenced by John MacArthur, uh, specifically his book, Ashamed of the Gospel, yeah. um, to really look at the numbers um, as, as the measure of success of any church. Right. And we fall guilty of that, you know, in our culture, you know, a lot. But I'm so thankful for your faithfulness. I remember that we, my wife and I have been there at least four or five times. Every Sunday we're there, you faithfully exposit. And to me, that is one of the most important, if not the most important characteristic of a Bible church or a biblical church. Because, you know, I remember MacArthur said a long time ago, it's not about fellowship. You can get fellowship in a bar, you know, That's right. and, yeah. and it's not just about praise music because not that praise music is bad, sure, but that's not supposed to be the defining experience because that makes it experiential. Right. When you hear the word, is it being accurately taught? You know, I, I, I was just, I'm reading through Ezra right now in the mornings and, you know, I love it. Ezra wanted to teach the word. He was just a man who got it and wanted to teach it. And that that's what we need today. We, we've become so pragmatic and I want to get into that with you later, but I want to tell people if you, it doesn't matter where you live. If you, if you want to go to a beach church uh, Sunrise Community Church is out on Aquatic Drive on Atlantic Beach, 298 Aquatic Drive. It is a solid church with a solid under-shepherd. And uh, I call you an under-shepherd because right. some people don't like that. But I, I think that's the accurate term. We're all under-shepherds as far as the body of Christ is concerned. He's the true shepherd, right? That's right. I hope that doesn't offend you. Not at all. That, no, but no. Uh, you are the under-shepherd of that body for Jesus. And um, you and the elders there lead that body well. Um, you have good people there. I know a lot of the people there. And I, that's why I was so excited to get you on because I do want to get into uh, your vision, what God is kind of where you're at, like where you see yourself, how you're impacting the community and how people can be involved. Like people who may not know anything about Sunrise, uh, why should they come to Sunrise? You know, I mean, like, so uh, I think those are questions that people are asking. But again, I want you can go to sccjax.org. That's sccjax.org to learn more about their ministries. Uh, I think uh, you even have your sermons online. Yep. People can go. And uh, uh, he is a faithful, good teacher. And I highly endorse him and that church. So uh, there, got that out. And uh, we can get back to talking about uh, what God is doing and how he got you there. So he gets you down here. You know, you haven't finished yet. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You said you didn't really have a lot of apples in that basket. And right. so how did they coerce you to come? You know, I think it was, it was a combination of things. I think one, I had, I had really began to, to grow in, in my desire, I think, to give leadership uh, to, to a church. Um, and that was maybe a desire that I, I didn't, uh, 
I didn't fully recognize at the moment even, but just a number of things that I just, you know, as far as like elder teams and how ministries are structured and that sort of thing, just something I'd given some thought to and, and thought maybe, you know, maybe one day I could, I could help, you know, give, give some leadership and structure to this. Um, it's interesting, you know, I, I do love to preach and I think it was really coming to see expository preaching and we say expository preaching and it's something you talk about a lot. Um, what, what we're saying is that we're explaining the Bible. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're reading a text and we're explaining the text and the Ezra passage you were talking about and Ezra, he read the word and he gave a sense of what it meant. He, he's helping people to, to come along and understand the Bible. I never saw myself as a preacher because sometimes I would, I would hear a sermon and it, it just seemed like I could never stand up and just talk. What would I say? And I kind of lived in fear for a while that I was going to stand up and talk for five minutes and be done. Like I got nothing else. I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> I got nothing. I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm we got yeah, 40 like minutes I, left. <laughs> I'm not an ad libber. Um, I don't have the, the gift of gab. Uh, I, I wasn't that. But when I really saw, like, not that that's not really what you're doing. What you're doing is is studying a text and helping people understand the text and applying the text. Like, okay, I, I think I could, I think I can get on board with that. I think I can, I think I might be able to do that. So that was really partly what what drew me to want to do that, and then seeing that modeled for me, mm-hmm. you know, over a number of years, uh, really my whole life, um, I think was super helpful um, in that. But yeah, the church we're. Uh, we're a very simple church. Uh, we we are very straightforward. Um, we read through the Psalms. You know, it's my well start about just almost finished eleven years, and we are on I believe our fourth reading of the Psalms. Uh, so we read a Psalm every week. Uh, just the next Psalm. That's uh, awesome. Psalm ninety six last week, ninety seven this week. So we just we just go through the Psalms. Uh, we go through books of the Bible. Uh, we study the Psalms each summer. Uh, we do summer in the Psalms series. So we're extremely predictable. Um, in that way, we, we like to tell people we're pretty easy to figure out. Um, we're going to, we're going to be in the next verse, uh, yeah. next week. So that, that's, that's really the nature and, of what and we do. And your, your worship service is Sunday at 10, 15, 10, correct? 15, correct. Yeah. Yep. So, and there's just one service, right? Right. On Sunday morning, 10, 15, Sunday morning out at, uh, aquatic drive at Atlantic beach, Florida. And again, that website is sccjax.org. That's sccjax.org. You can go there, find out more about Sunrise Community Church. When we come back, we're going to have some more conversation with Alan Cagle, the lead pastor and uh, one of the elders at Sunrise Community uh, maybe when you come back, we can talk a little bit about elder rule too, because I yep. know that's something that's not everybody believes in or understands, and uh, that'd be a good thing to talk about too, because you guys are elder ruled, right? We are we are elder led congregational rule. El- oh, yeah, that'd be a good distinction. Yep. Hey, yep. when we come back, we're going to have more from Alan Cagle. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full service. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has said he sees a path to Gaza peace, reconstruction, and regional security. 
after his Middle East tour. Blinken left Cairo after rounding off a Middle East tour by holding talks with Egypt's president. Before boarding his plane, he told journalists that his visit established key objectives for peace in Gaza. First, preventing the conflict from, from spreading. Second, getting more humanitarian assistance into people who need it. Three, increasing protection for civilians. Four, getting hostages out. He also said his final objective was continuing support for Israel to make sure October the 7th does not happen again. I'm Karen Chamas. Also at SRNews.com, a Democrat in Congress is urging President Biden's defense secretary to resign. What else correspondent Greg Clunkston reports. Representative Chris Deluzio of Pennsylvania is the first Democrat to call for Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's resignation. The Pentagon chief is under fire for keeping his cancer diagnosis, surgery, and hospitalization a secret from the White House. Deluzio, who sits on the House Armed Services Committee, wrote on social media that he has lost trust in Austin's leadership due to the lack of transparency. Greg Clugston. Washington. President Biden's son headed back to court for an arraignment on federal tax charges. Hunter Biden expected to plead not guilty to felony and misdemeanor tax offenses. The charges stem from what federal prosecutors say was a four-year scheme to skip out on paying $1.4 million he owed the Internal Revenue Service. Prosecutors say he instead spent millions on an extravagant lifestyle that by his own admission included drugs and alcohol. The Dow is off 97 points, the NASDAQ down 47. This is SRN News. If you haven't switched to MediShare yet, two big reasons to at least consider it and why it makes so much sense right now. Number one is inflation, which is just affecting everything. It just makes sense to say, okay, where can I actually save? Well, you can save a lot in one fell swoop if you switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month. Secondly, your conscience. MediShare members aren't forced to pay for things they don't support or believe in, and that's a big deal for a lot of people right now. They want their money to actually help people. And one more reason, you can trust MediShare. It's been the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 30 years. It works, and members love it too. It has double the member satisfaction rating compared to health insurance. So now's a great time to consider making the switch, and they are very easy to talk to. MediShare has great customer service. You can call now and get a price within two minutes. Here's the number. It's 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. No active accidents, but there's major delays because of a broken-down vehicle on the West Beltway, 295 southbound at US-1 New Kings Road, blocking the left lane. Also, there's a broken-down vehicle I-10 westbound at Chafee Road, and there's a disabled vehicle on Butler Boulevard westbound at the ramp to Belfort Road. Mostly cloudy tonight, low 52. Friday, cloudy with showers, maybe some thunderstorms, high 73. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm A.J. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio, uh, Doug McCary. You know, one thing that I love when I get a guest in here who is a good Bible teacher, a good student in the Bible, 
is, and he'll tell you because I've been burning his ear up. I get excited to talk about the word. Do you, Alan, when you when you have conversation with people about, and you're talking, does that excite you? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, isn't great. it exciting yeah. just to to have insights or think about things that what we don't realize a lot of times, and maybe you can comment on this because I'm starting to realize the older I get, what a gift it is when God allows you to see a truth or a connection. Um, and I tell people this all the time that, you know, a first year botany student and a doctorate in botany walk into the woods, they're going to see something different, right? right? That, that doctorate guy is going to see things that first year student won't see. And, and it, with the Bible, it's not about about how much effort you put in. I mean, that, I, I think we do have to put in effort. Sure. But it's really the revelation of the Spirit, how God's mercifully letting you as you surrender to him on those things you do know, he begins to give you more and more insight. Um, it's exciting to me. You can tell I, I get really excited. Do you, and you said it excites you. Like, what you know you well let me say this because you're i know you're leading a group to turkey in fact you were saying that there's still people can go on that trip right yeah yeah so turkey's a stop most of the trip will be in greece okay um so it's a footsteps of paul side by side with the apostle paul kind of trip Mm -hmm. um the church was gracious in this this actually came up in late 2019 uh the church gave us a sabbatical mm-hmm. uh, my family which was super gracious and kind this was going to be in 2020 of course the world ended in 2020 <laughs> uh, so that didn't work out yeah. and then we punted again in 21 um and then uh when and then we took the sabbatical and then this past summer uh a piece of that uh, that we held over for this summer uh in 23 was to do an international trip, a study trip of some sort. Mm. So we ended up, my wife and I ended up doing a trip to Greece. Mm. Um, and so it's a really, it's a really cool trip. Uh, we were able to join with another group and we did Thessaloniki, we did uh, Philippi, we did Athens, Corinth, we did Ephesus. Um, and so we, that was, that was a trip that we did. And then um, we were able to put together another trip. Uh, it's the same trip that I did last year. Uh, we're gonna take a group back um, so this will be the second time I've done this trip, uh, and this will be in uh, June of this year, late May, uh, June. So and so, how can they find out about that trip? Yeah, it's um, Imagine uh, Tours and Travels, uh, and I can get you an exact URL for that. Yeah, um, Imagine Tours and Travel is who we're with, and then it's uh, it's a trip. If you just search my name, uh, Pastor Cagle, you'll find that Italy Greece trip. Uh, or um, I'm sorry, uh, Greece Turkey trip. Okay, um, so it's a real easy website. It's ittworld.com. Um, uh, itt. Yep. Uh, world.com, and I guess you'll just do uh, find tours. If you go to find tours, click on that. Uh, you can put in Alan Cagle, and Alan is A L L E N, correct? A L L E N. That's right. That's right. That's um, right. So, uh, and it'll be in June. Yeah, we leave uh, May 27th, they return June the 5th, and there's an optional extension that you can do Rome for three days, uh, and we'll do Colosseum, we'll do the Forum, uh, Vatican City, uh, see see the sites there in Rome for a few days if you want to add that piece as well. Okay, so uh, again, that's uh, the footsteps of Paul, which is an awesome thing to go through. Yeah, uh, it was a uh, phenomenal trip. 
Yeah. What 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 was your favorite location? Like I I know in Israel, I lead trips to Israel, and I have a I have my favorite places. What was one of your favorite like places to go while you were there? Not necessarily because of the aesthetics, but just because of what you learned or what happened. significance. There's a few. It's hard to just say one. I I think my top would be Athens. Uh, really? being on the Acropolis, Mars Hill, where Paul stood and delivered Acts 17, this in, incredible sermon. Okay. Um, I learned something there that one of the guides told us. It, it's a relatively short you know sermon that we have there in Acts 17 from the Apostle Paul. They said they had an hourglass sort of thing, and basically they had six minutes uh, to make their case. And so when Paul is invited, he's they, they probably— uh, they, they turn over the hourglass. It's like, okay, go, uh, give us your best six minutes on your, <laughs> wow, your case for Christ, uh, yeah. your case for this guy that raised from the dead. And you're standing there on Mars Hill and you're looking out and you can see the temple of Athena off in one direction. You can see the temple of uh, Vulcan and you're on Mars Hill, uh, the Areopagus. Uh, you can see all of this. And, and so when Paul is walking through the city and he says, I see that you're very religious in every way. It's like, well, yeah, we just drove by how many temples <laughs> that are still standing, you know, 2,000 years later, how many more would have there have been? And they've they've done studies on all of this and the estimated idols. I mean, it's in the thousands. Um, and Paul Paul captures that and says, you know, it's to this unknown God. You missed one. Um, let me tell you about the true God, yeah. the God that made everything that isn't served. That you don't worship him. He, he's not confined to a temple like the Temple of Athena. And he could have, you know, gestured over his shoulder. Yeah. You know, it's not not temples like this. And so it was, it was just a, a radical sermon that he preached uh, there in the midst of that culture. So that's got to be my favorite spot. Um, the, a close close second and third would be uh, Corinth and Ephesus as well. Both those were incredible um, as well to see. Did they go into a lot of the history of Corinth there, of what it w- was like as a cultural city? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a you know, metropolis of the day. Um, Corinth was was my understanding the largest city you know in the area uh, mm-hmm. for the day it and you know Athens we kind of think of Athens as the lead city now and mm-hmm. Corinth is is relatively small now but at the time Corinth was the place to be um, if you wanted to go where the where the action was happening uh, it was sort of the New York LA uh, that was the place to be um, in Corinth and then standing there in uh, it, you know standing there in the agora the the little gathering place and there's the bima you know the judgment place uh-huh. where they would the the um, emperor would come or not the emperor but the the rulers would come and, and make judgment um, and there was the bima and the seat that they would sit on and so paul's playing off of that um, you're looking you know up on the top of the mountain is the temple of aphrodite mm-hmm. which paul gives a you know his his instructions in first corinthians 6 about being joined to a prostitute there was you know thousands of temple prostitutes mm-hmm. uh, perhaps that were operating at that time so uh, it it just it just makes the scripture come to life when you see it when you're able to see it and stand there uh, where it happened well again that is with imagine tours and travel ittworld.com just click on tours and what you can do, uh, it's side-by-side side with the Apostle Paul. Yep. Uh, if you uh, click on over on the left of Imagine Tours and Travel, and by the way, this radio program will be podcast later on you know, tonight, so if you want to go back, you can come back and listen. Just put in Alan Cagle, uh, and it'll bring up either this one or his first interview with Brad, I think, uh, a, a couple of years ago. But it's the one for today. 
And on the fine tours on the left side of the ITT website, just put in Greece non-denominational and it'll bring up the, all the tours and you want to scroll down to the 10 day tour of Greece with Rome extension. Yep. That's the one it's May 27th through June 5th. And uh, to join this tour, you just click on it and it'll tell you how, but it even gives you an itinerary, um, which is awesome to be able to go through and look at, uh Oh, we got a something going on. We got a, got a weather alert. <laughs> That's actually, it's probably an Amber alert. You know, they, they, do that it's really irritating now but it's with a good reason they're right. trying to get everybody <laughs> sure. to pay attention but that's ittworld.com again he's leading this group uh a great bible teacher taking you to a great place so i think it'd be worth and how many slots do you have left like you got room for yeah we've got um, some slots left i think i think we have about 15 okay. left right now okay so uh, you go ahead and uh, take a look at that. I think you will enjoy it. Well, before we went to the news break, uh, we were talking with Alan about elder rule or uh, elder-led and congregational rule in the case of his church. What's right. the difference between the two? Yeah, both both have have elders. Uh, that's the that's what unifies those approaches. So we have elder ruled, which means uh, you have a board of elders within the church, and typically a church would have a deacon board as well. So you have uh, the pastor would be one of the elders, most typically, in a in a situation like that. So the elders really make they're the decision makers for the church, and uh, they typically in those contexts you you might have a vote here and there, but the final authority rests really in the elders that the church has appointed or maybe elected, depending on the uh, the uh, the way that that's set up um, in a particular church. Um, our church is is actually a congregational elder. Uh, we we are congregational ruled and elder led. Uh, so what that means is that the final authority for certain things does rest in the hands of the congregation. And so for our church, we vote on things like we have an annual budget. Uh, that the congregation approves. Now the elders are leading in bringing that budget and then leading in the shepherding of the church. Um, so you have that. If we wanted to buy or sell property, uh, that would come to our congregation for approval. To add staff positions would come to our congregation for approval, um, particularly pastoral positions. So things like that. So the authority for the church is in the hands of the congregation, but it's most of the day-to-day -day things are handled by the pastoral staff and the elders. Um, but the the final authority does actually rest in the congregation. Okay, so um, so biblically, um, you've got different. Is is that an area where the church? I mean, the Bible's kind of silent on as far as what that looks like practically for elders to rule in the church. Yeah, I I I'm am, just curious because I've not really had a, a conversation about this in a while. You know, right. So previous contexts that I came from were elder ruled uh, in without the congregation uh, congregational without the final authority being uh, vested in the congregation. So I am familiar with that system as well. I, I think there's some biblical cases to be talked about and made, and I I understand there's different positions on this. You get places like Matthew 18. Uh, you know, you tell it to the church in a case of church discipline. Um, you get places like First uh, Corinthians, the punishment inflicted by the majority. Um, you know, what does that mean? Does that mm -hmm. mean, the, you know, and this is the immoral one that Paul is, 
has encouraged the Corinthian church, you, you have to put them out because they're being immoral. And it seems like that person repented. They're doing things pagans don't even do, man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It should, shouldn't be named among you. Like, yeah. why are you tolerating this? <laughs> yeah. um, and so you, you have that. And you, you just have these little hints, though, of you know the, the punishment inflicted by the majority. Now, the, the question around that is the punishment inflicted by the majority, does that mean that the congregation was actively involved in the decision to to disassociate with this person, mm -hmm. uh, disfellowship with them, or are they carrying out the directives that the elders have made the decision on? And I, mm -hmm. I think there's a little bit of conversation around that. Um, I, I think elders are important in the context of, of a local church, having uh, plurality. I mm -hmm. think that's the most important part. Mm -hmm. um, having uh, having a group, I think, is, is significant. Biblically, I, I see that as significant. Um, but as far as elder rule versus you know congregational rule, elder-led, I think if it's functioning rightly, there's not a lot of difference. <laughs> yeah, the, the elders are still the ones that are guiding and shepherding. Yep. Uh, but the congregation, well, the, you know, a lot of times, like I, I don't even know how they do it now in some churches, but used to be the congregation used to recommend elders. I mean, like, uh, you know, at least uh, they used to recommend right. This person for elder, or this person, and then they would say, "Hey, this person shouldn't be elder." You know, so the congregation had a voice in who could or who couldn't be the elder. Right. You know. Right. Uh, and I, so. I think, however, that works out, and I, I do think there's a there's a little bit of flexibility that I have, at least in in polity, uh, how that all gets played out. I think the important thing is that we're making sure that the people we put in these positions are qualified to be in these positions, meaning. They, they meet the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 and then also of Titus 1. So character qualifications is is really the, the emphasis there. So I think if you if you end up with bad leaders, you're going to have a mess, uh, regardless of what your polity is. Yeah. So I, I think that's the most important thing is having the right people in those roles. Yeah, I think so. Well, um, well so you've been there 11 years. I know it's been a lot of work. You came in to have to do a lot of different things to help try to build uh from a what you know the expository thing i was talking about earlier you and i were, were alluding to there's preachers out there today who say uh that um expository teaching is lazy hmm. i don't know if you've heard that i've heard it from a very well-known preacher uh at least well known in in the christian circles very influential said expository teaching is lazy um you know how do you respond to that because i know that's a big part of what you're wanting to do to explain right. the scriptures to your people that you're responsible for shepherding um and the feeding that has to take place from a spiritual perspective now you're not responsible for what they do with it but you're responsible for giving them that food, right? You right. Be, you believe that, right? I do. All right. So that's been hard. Has that been hard to try to make that a central part of what you're doing in yeah. our culture now? In Well, yeah, I'll, I'll give you two different answers on that. Uh, one, when I came to the church, that's one of the things that attracted me about the church was there was that commitment in place mm -hmm. uh, to the teaching of the word and the centrality of, of the teaching of the word in an expositional way. So I, I walked into a situation where the elders that were already in place, they expected that from me. If I didn't do that, there'd be a problem. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't really have any 
anything to change on that front. It wasn't a reformation at all uh, as far as the direction of the church in that sense. So, so I was very, very grateful for that. As far as his expository teaching, you know, kind of a lazy way out, I think that really, to me, when I hear that, it goes back to what I believe the Bible to be. Um, if I really believe the Bible is inerrant, infallible, it's authoritative and sufficient, then I believe that it's the the seed that produces the fruit of eternal life, mm-hmm. and it's it's what nourishes believers. Um, and I believe it's it's primary. Um, and I, I think it's important as well. When we say expository preaching, we're, we're not advocating for standing up and reading a commentary and being boring, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like those are different things. Um, I'm not just trying to, to read you. This is what John Owen said in the 1600s. John Owen's fantastic. But it would put most people out on a Sunday morning ju- just to do that. So I think there, there is a sense of, we're, we're grabbing, we're, we're mining out the text, we're bringing it forward in a way that's understandable, that's applicable, that we can see the implications. We're drawing out some of the storyline that we've been talking about. We're, we're seeing connection points to the cross. We're seeing this foreshadowing of the Old Testament and, the, and just the beauty of what God has given us in his word. And I think we're just wanting people to, to learn the word. Um, mm-hmm. That's a much better approach, I think then, you know, these are some inspirational stories that that I heard this week. And that's where I mentioned a little while ago, when I first was sort of toying with the idea of, could I do ministry? Expository preaching was the only thing that made any sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not that creative. I didn't have much to say. If you you just hand me a microphone and told me to stand up and talk, uh, back, back, you know, 20 years ago, there's no possibility. I'd be a little more comfortable maybe now, but... (laughs) But there was no possibility. I didn't have anything. Um, I, I wasn't a great storyteller. Uh, and so I, I couldn't imagine anything else. And so it was really expositional teaching and and just rooted in this really core belief of, I believe the Bible is powerful and it's what people need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to help people understand it and and to see how it how it fits, um, how it answers their questions that maybe they don't even know exactly how to frame their questions. The scripture actually addresses these things. Um, and I, I think the more biblically literate our people are, just the more spiritually healthy they'll be. Mm-hmm. Well, talk a little bit about, I know you're involved with PEP, right. which is a Christian, is it modified homeschooling kind of? It uh, is. Uh, and so it's kind of like a combination of, hey, you do some things in the home and then you bring in some experts or people to teach on the outside. And you're one of those teachers, right? Right. So talk a little bit about what you're seeing there, the pressures of the young people today and the word technology changing. Mm. I, I see, you know, I'm very traditional in that when I hold up this Bible, I hold up something that I know can't be changed what I'm holding in my hand. Cause I've had this Bible for 15 years. Right. When I hold up this phone, <laughs> right. If I'm looking at the Bible on this phone, it can be altered right now. A lot of people get upset when you start messing with their technology, but what are you seeing with the young people growing up and their, their, 
you know, their view of the Bible or their view, because I know you interact with them, but you're interacting with people who most of the people have made the decision to homeschool because they want their kids to be taught right. effectively. Speak a little bit to that, if you would. Just uh, I, Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there. So it's uh, PEP. Uh, we go by PEP, Providence Extension Program. It's a program that actually started in Cincinnati. There's a few campuses there, and then there's uh, a couple campuses here in Jacksonville. Uh, we do have a number of students. So I teach, we, we call Biblical Worldview 1 and 4. Uh, so I have the freshmen, and then I have the seniors. Um, so I'll, I'll speak a little bit maybe to my senior class that I'm, I'm working with right now. So I, it, we, we talk a lot about some of these things. So I was really helped. Uh, I, I, uh, an illustration I, I heard um, a little while back, it was uh, Why Johnny Can't Preach. You remember that uh, book? Uh, yeah. T. David Gordon. Um, he gave the illustration. He said that when you use technology, he said the, when you use a tool, you have an effect with the tool, but the tool also has an effect on you. And he gives a couple of different illustrations of that that have just stuck with me. If you take a shovel and you go, you can dig a hole. You had an effect with the tool, but the tool also has an effect on you. If you do it long enough, you're going to have sore shoulders. You're going to have blisters on your hand. And so he he pulls that out, and I use that a lot with my students to say that technology isn't simply instrumental. And I think a lot of people have an instrumental view of technology. Um, we're, we're, we're having a conversation. We were already going to communicate as human beings, so therefore the phone is just helping us have a conversation. It's instrumental use versus a deterministic use um, that the technology is actually taking us somewhere. And so I'm always asking the questions to my students, what effect, what pushback is the technology having on you? Um, because it's not simply instrumental. It's also determining what you do. And so how are we thinking? There's a lot of people writing on this. I think Tony Reinecke is worth reading on this. He has a few books on this now. Uh, his latest book is really, really helpful and good. Um, and his last name's Reinecke? Reinecke, R-E-I-N-K-E. Okay. Um, Tony Reinecke. Uh, and he, for years, in fact, I think he still leads the Ask Pastor John uh, from uh, Desiring God Ministries, mm-hmm. uh, John Piper. Uh, Tony Reinecke, is, uh, he, he's written a lot on, on technology and just really, really helpful and useful things. Yeah, he's got a website, TonyReinecke.com. Yeah. That's yeah, really that's good. Uh, yeah, I just see. Uh, God, Technology, and the Christian Life. Is that's that the it. book you're talking that's about? That's it, yep. Yeah, that'd be interesting to read. I haven't read that book yet, so I, I'm going to add that to my reading list. It, it's worth reading. Uh, he, he wrestles with a lot of these types of things. So I think what maybe maybe just one illustration from my days, and, and Doug, probably your days as well, we're, we're in a similar generation. I think I'm a little behind you, but yeah. uh, similar generation. Um, you, you had a rough day at school, and maybe you had some, some bullies that were giving you a hard time, um, maybe just a, just a tough time. But you go home, right? You go to practice, you go to extracurricular, whatever it was that you do, um, and you went home. And, you, and it, and it kind of depressurized the situation until the next morning. When you maybe had to face those people again, everything just kind of chilled for a little bit. These students now, it, when things like that happen and you've got people, you know, little friend groups going at each other, whatever tension, whatever things have come up, they, they don't go home and take the pressure off. Mm-hmm. They go home and, and they live with it and they live with it and they live with it. It, it never stops um, because of social media and because of just the ubiquity of the phones. So I, I think we're seeing the effects of that. There was a CDC study came out um, not long ago, and it was it was showing that teens have an increased over the last ten years, having cre- the levels of anxiety have just flown through the roof. 
Um, and so, interestingly, the first decade that we've had was smartphones. Yeah. Um, so I think it's having an effect. A deterministic maybe, effect. It is. Yeah. Uh, maybe more than we realize or understand. Okay, um, let me ask point. you this question. Have you ever had somebody say to you, hey, you didn't respond to my call or my text? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, to me, could you imagine 30 years ago anybody saying that to you? No. All right, see, so it has, as a culture now, increased people's demands on you and your time, at the very least, right? right. And so... um Man, I got to get you back on because I want we could we could delve into this. This would be a fun thing to delve yeah, into. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, but we've run out of time, believe it or not. Well, wow. time is over. Um, and I want to let you know about Sunrise Community Church, where Alan is the lead pastor. It's on uh, Aquatic Drive, two nine eight Aquatic Drive, Sunday service, ten fifteen. That's right. Um, what are you preaching on this Sunday? Uh, Luke chapter seven will be in verses eighteen through thirty five. Yeah, 